0: Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. ...where we continue to, to follow the, the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are America. just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death.
1: Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011.
0: from multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, How'd you get and you action? described that twice. his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit him. I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning. And then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help... Hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. All right, so welcome back to the Operator Podcast. I'm your host, Robert J. O'Neill, and I've been swearing to get this interview, and I really wanted to do it in person, but he's such a hot ticket. Uh, and everyone is going to um, want to interview him pretty soon. So uh, without further ado, author of the new book, The Pledge to America, Drago Jiran. um, Welcome to the show, my brother. How you doing? Brother, it's an honor to be on your show. Thank you. We talked about it for a long time. <laughs> I know. I I know. And I was gonna. I want to. I'm still coming to your house. Uh, oh, and we'll, there's so much we can talk about that, um, you know, this is I'd, I'd like to get a couple episodes here, but there's there's plenty. Uh, there's plenty of stuff that we can just catch up with when the camera's n- not rolling as well, because we do have a pretty good history together. Most of it, most of it really good. Some of it fun. Uh, but yeah, the, your new books coming out, we served together as Navy seals for a long time. I need to, I need to caveat this off the bat, um, because you, you, you guys might hear Drago call me uh, brother Russ and the wet that comes from back in the day because I'm obviously Robert J O'Neill. Uh, My friend Scott Oates started calling me Russ because he said uh, some of the characters from Vacation, I'll let you decide which ones. And then we were at a place called Fort Smith, Arkansas, me and Drago and Jocko. And someone, uh, maybe we'll get into that story later, called me Ross. And Jocko was listening to them talk about me. And he just kept saying, yeah, that sounds like Ross. So then I became Ross. I was known as Ross for a long, long time. But this interview is not about me. It's
1: about uh, Drago. Thank you so much for coming on, brother. Thank you. It's nice to be here, brother. I appreciate that. I appreciate inviting me. And uh, let me just chime in a little bit on that Ross thing. I remember I was laughing my ass off when <laughs> you finally actually got the uh, the patch on your uniform. Ross T. Uh, rusty K-Bar. Rusty K-Bar. That's yeah, right. Yeah, you remember you actually were wearing <laughs> yeah. your uniform and people were like, Mr. Mis- Mr. K-Bar. <laughs> Mr. Rusty <laughs> K-Bar. Yeah, Rusty Gabriel. That's right. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I was uh, I, I dressed up uh, b- before our platoon on Halloween on the USS Austin in dungarees. And I had one of those names kind of like that. Um, so I got to tell you now your book, The Pledge to America, Pledge to America is coming out in June, right? Yes.
1: June 13th. And
0: you sent me a copy today. Uh, I almost finished it today. It's so good. And I. I've known you. I consider you to be one of my best friends. There's shit in there. I cannot believe that. I mean, this everyone, everyone, especially now, uh, uh, kids need to read this book because just just the way at the beginning, how you said uh, this this is not a book about being a Navy SEAL. There's plenty of those out there, which is awesome. Do you want can you explain that a little bit?
1: Well, yes. uh, The thing is that. Every time, and you know my story very well, we we are the best friends. We are are ruling the platoon pretty much, the E5, the E5 mafia Mm -hmm. uh, in our platoon. But uh, every time I tell my story, the the response I get is, oh, the awesome story, dude, you need to write the book. What the hell happened? Mm -hmm. I say, this is not the story. That's not my point. I always try to explain. This is not the story about how bad is that. My point is when you hear, listen to this, you see how awesome that our country America is that's this is my point not just what happened there but what we have here gives you a better perspective because a lot of people don't travel a lot so they don't have a they are not exposed to socialism and communism so I I think giving them giving people that perspective of what the really social real socialism and communism are I think maybe will uh will help them understand how great america is how great country we have
0: yeah i would hope so because the words getting thrown around all the time how uh, socialism is just the right kind of socialism has never worked it just hasn't been done right and it always seems uh to, to they're trying to redefine it but the way they do that and you mentioned this too is um was uh, just by erasing history and shutting people down and there's certain words you hear a lot insurrectionist uh, where are your papers that I mean, we saw that with the with just with the, the vaccine mandate. Um, uh, I, and like I said, I was <clears throat> what struck out to me is how you said in the book. And I, I, I'm i not going to tell your story, but you were saying you would pray with your grandmother and she would say the red devil. She called them red demons.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was red devils devils. But, you know, I was like, what maybe five, between I think it was four or five, six years old. So when I was learning how to pray, my grandmother said, "For a little kid like this, when you hear devil, evil, you can see these creatures with the with the tail, with the hooves, yeah. breathing fire, with the horns." So I was like, "Grandma, so are, are they really that? They're like they are like real breathing fire. They have the tails and the hooves and 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 horns." Uh, my grandmother would say, "Wow, well, they are worse than that. You know, they actually kill people. They murder people at will." And they sent them to Siberia, out of Poland, to like far east Russia. So didn't tell, didn't tell, tell. That was not telling me a lot, but at least I knew that you know communists are killing people and evil pretty much they are evil. And my, I didn't change my mind. You know, my father tried really hard. He was a hardcore communist. And also another thing. Let me just uh, dwell here on something very quickly you say that uh, i remember like oh no this, this, this we're going to fix the socialists. the other people they didn't know how to do it so w- w- we know better now that's what my father was saying every as i say he was in, in polish communist government in communist party pretty high so he was he that was their mantra every 6 to 8 years between between 5 to 8 years there was upheaval in poland people didn't have much to eat they were starving they they, they there was nothing there for them So they were raising up, say, hey, we want bread. We want freedom. We want to say what we want to say. And then the shooting started. Usually the the arrests, mass arrests started. And the propaganda was usually like, well, we just, the the, the guys who were running the show for these last four years, these communists, they are kind of bad communists. You know, they're just like, we replace them. We know better how to build this socialism. So, So we just, we just. Remove them. That the, the other one, some uh, official died of heart attack or suicide, and uh, and uh, we're gonna replace now. We build the new Poland, socialist Poland, that is going to be good because we know how to do it. And like eight years later, the, the cycle repeated itself. It was like every six eight years, they kill a bunch of people, they arrest a bunch of people, or reign terror on society, change the crew, and say, so now we're gonna do better than that. Uh, it, it never happened because the. You know, the socialism just does not work. Whatever you look at at uh, at any place where they try to implement it, usually end up in tragedy, because you can vote yourself into this uh, 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 evil thing, but pretty much you have to shoot yourself out.
0: You have to shoot, yeah, got to shoot your way out. That's, that uh, how did now? How did your father become such a hardcore socialist? That because you now his 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 grand his his mom, your grandmother was not
1: right. No, my his mother, his father were not. Uh, and uh, he was basically both. The, uh, I think he was poor guy from the village, so he was indoctrinated in post-war Poland. So the schools, the everything that was uh, that entire educational system was brought back on Russian bayonets and those Polish term codes that cooperated with 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 Soviet with Soviet Union at the time. So, of course, him being young and impressive, I mean, we can see, I think, here, similar thing. A lot of people get enamorated with socialists because the indoctrination in universities and schools. But yeah. so, this is how he become hardcore communist. And uh, he was not socialist. He was actually communist. Uh, so let me make the point here. None of these countries behind Iron Curtain were ever... Uh, communist countries, not even Soviet Union. They were all socialist states, mostly run by communists and uh, the the derivatives of the of, of these uh, these evil people. So yeah, that's uh, so so yeah. He get this is how he got involved in it. He was indoctrinated, and once you I think cross certain threshold, it's hard to fix you and and hard to make you understand the reality. You just so much dip into this ideology that you are you are ready to justify the worst kind of atrocities and murder just to push that ideology on, on people and it's is it i i read something like it was uh we're curing
0: the the country of these bad people or these sick people uh and so like was that what they would say? Like, would people yeah, just that, disappear? That,
1: oh, no! yeah, that, that's what my father used to say. Look, the socialism is such a great state. People just do not understand. So we have to force them into it. What we need to do is is either they will accept the ideology, we buy them, we give them uh, whatever the perks, like maybe there was no cell phones at the time, but maybe give, we give them the phones in their apartments, in the, in, in, their, in, in the place where they live. So some of those like more... Uh, pro-communist, they got some perks. But if people do not buy into it, if those who don't want to, win just need to either cancel them, eliminate them from society, or if that doesn't work, imprison them to remove them completely from society. And if that doesn't work, those are his words, we just need to permanently get rid of them. And this is, please remember that cancellation, that it is something that people here do not understand, but well, maybe they are learning slowly, but there was a lot of, uh, there was like poets, scientists. So, that, that, so suddenly they found themselves completely off, uh, off the grid. They were like, not, never mentioned that the poets were never published, published the, the writers were never published. Nobody ever heard about them. And uh, and that was very easy for communists to do it, communists to do it in socialist state because the censorship is so pervasive, so powerful. This episode of The Operator Podcast is
0: brought to you by BetterHelp. You don't need to be a combat veteran to have uh, stuff in your past. Everyone's got stuff they're going through. Everyone is their own vessel. Sometimes you can learn and grow when you talk to someone. BetterHelp is completely online. You can do it from home. All therapists are licensed, accredited professionals. BetterHelp allows you to connect with them in a safe and convenient online environment. Pay a low, flat fee for unlimited therapy with your therapist. Therapy doesn't have to be expensive. Do it on your own time, at your own pace. Communicate with your therapist as often as you want and whenever you feel it's needed. Thousands of people have benefited from therapy. You can check out the reviews online. With BetterHelp, you can switch therapists at any point if you don't feel you're getting enough benefit. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, like I said. Do it from home. Designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Fill out a questionnaire and get matched with a therapist and you can switch anytime. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash operator to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash operator.
1: What the socialism is not, I can tell you, what socialism is not what people say, and you hear, I'm sure you hear it quite often. Well, socialism, we just build the roads, we pay for the police, and uh, we pay for the firefighters, for fire responders. Well, that's pretty dumb because uh, the, by that definition, even Libya, Iran, and all other, those countries should be could, could be called socialist by that type of definition. So that's not socialist. So calling, especially a lot of people are here, calling uh, uh, Norway, uh, Denmark uh, and uh, um, Belgium, socialist Sweden socialist states they are not socialist states let's don't offend these people there
0: yeah that's um but like growing up with that because i'm a big believer that you only know what you're taught and you were exposed to this at such a young age like was a lot of this stuff just normal because we're talking the 60s here right so like when you're on five six years old is that's when you first started to didn't you first like uh get in trouble for saying something you questioned uh why something was a certain way and then like you're, you're in you're in the principal's office and mom's at school and threatened with deportation not
1: deportation but prison arrest. yeah with prison time yes that happened in the f- fifth grade uh when uh, in fifth grade in polish schools at the time everybody every child had to start learning uh that's russian what a, yeah yeah learn russian right so you know i was not the best student and uh for me it was like another pile of crap on my lap was thrown on my lap that I have to go and contend with so i just piped up to the teacher why do we learn that russian you know once so many of us can have a problem with polish language and by the way the russians are occupiers here uh even if you don't see them on the streets with the gas they still control the government they still control uh, the society and oh my god that was like ooh. I was pulled up from the class immediately. We just marched to principal's office. I was, uh, then I was told to stand in front of him. They call police and told me to sit down and wait. So police showed up, but my mother, they run by, by her. She was a teacher in a different school. Uh-huh. So they got her from the school. Uh, they brought her there and they stopped threatening her. You know, if uh, basically what they say is if she doesn't instill more uh, uh Love to socialism uh, uh, in me and my siblings. Uh, w- the state will take care of it. Basically, they're gonna remove uh, us from uh, ma- ma- our mother's custody, and we'll, and you know, and we'll be we'll go to orphanage run by the state, where the state will actually teach us the values of socialism.
0: Oh wow! And yeah. that's
1: just for questioning why I'm learning
0: a language that of the occupiers.
1: Yes, but you know, let me make a uh, here a small digression because we talk Russians, Russians, Russians. Uh, what we need to remember that the most, the nation that was most affected by communism and so, communist and socialism, and most, uh, and most suffer were Russians. They, oh yeah, they, they, under socialism, we're talking about like sixty millions people that basically vanished, sent to gulags, or were outright murdered. And uh, people don't know about it. So Russia is no longer socialist. Why do you think they rebuild themselves so quick? They rebuild themselves fairly quickly because they kick socialism to the curb and communism. So that they are no longer a socialist state. People don't know about it. They like to say it's socialist communist, but they are not. And that's why they are, they are start posing that, a threat to us now. And they 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 are dangerous. Please remember, they are not our friends. But we are. I'm not talking about the Russians. I'm talking about the government. Right. Russians. You know, like I travel to Russia. I, I I met Russians. For me, they were always very uh, uh, warm people. They are very nice. They they're welcoming people, and uh, you know, is I don't want to just throw all this, uh Thing of the Russians. We, we're not talking about the Russians. we're talking about the socialist society that is so dangerous and uh and uh, we can see it right now in venezuela another socialist state when they went all out and uh, the, the 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 most the richest country in south america yeah. become the most impoverished now that people are hunting rats on the streets and to survive and that's i mean why, why do you think
0: nobody ever learns from that they just become impoverished the people uh just poor and uh, uh nothing works uh wh- why do they keep trying is it i I'm, i think it's because of somebody's personal power they can stay in power they don't really care what happens to anybody uh, else i mean
1: because they're not dumb people i i don't think people are buying into it i think because socialism and this is by my uh father w- with my father words actually uh socialism is the excellent tool to control society and basically you control uh what, what, where they work, how they work, what medicine they get, what medicine they don't get, and this is something very dangerous. But also, what we need to remember, it starts always with. It is called in Eastern Bloc. It used to call be desensitization. What it is is the, it is normalizing poverty, normalizing the bad economy, normalizing a poor, uh, uh, the the poor state of affairs. So. And this is initially like me and you, let's say if you were living in a socialist state, you just revolt. Who said no way it cannot happen? So this is what they do. This is a very slow process. They push out yeah. the old generation. They bring the younger one that is indoctrinated in their state schools. That you don't really have much influence what they're being taught, and uh, you cannot really counteract it very well unless you sit on the top of it, like my parents. Or my parents, like my mother, was controlling very well what we were teaching. She knew what we were being taught, and uh, and was able to counteract that socialist narrative. But besides my family, they—they they were tortured. They were beat up because they did not go along with the socialist mantra. That well, I was—I'm taking notes as uh, as I'm reading your book, and one thing that really stuck out is what
0: they're teaching you is the right way to think. That's and that, ca- I mean that right there just flies right in the face of freedom. That's not the way it's supposed to work. And that's that I just I, that, that literally jumped. Well, didn't literally, but I—I I, I used a highlighter and the words jumped out. That's crazy.
1: Yes, they will teach you what to think because you they they count on your uh, uh, submissive uh, uh, behavior and they need to instill it into you. They all what they the first thing they want to want you to believe that they are always right. Now, the another thing is that in the government, don't even get up there because that to be in the government to be within this ruling class. You have to have a special skills. You have to know this. You have to know that. Basically, when people look into those requirements which are presented to them in schools, in universities, they say, "Well, that that's the, I, I can't make it. I can't do it." But you know what? People eventually, like in Poland, people start realizing the biggest attribute, the best attribute. be a politician is honesty and integrity you don't have to be a scientist look how many politicians we have they are not scientists but they have integrity and that's what we need that's that's what Paul started realizing but again because the elections were rigged they were not they were not able to do anything if you even if you were very popular and you were you were very electable because you were drawing people together uh through uh rigged elections you were basically removed that and, and nobody even heard about you after it but if you were too dangerous you just disappeared
0: yeah and and dangerous <laughs> is not necessarily even physically dangerous right it's just yeah, oh, trying yeah, to get no. the trying to get the truth out right yeah, Or yeah. just
1: they, they, they were not afraid about the physical threat they actually invited it they they polarized society to make this uh, violent Outbursts, so then they can pacify the society. So that there was no danger for them. They invited it. The danger was if you were thinking independent thinker, if you might come to your own conclusion, and then, God forbid, you had some uh, uh cloud in the society and your neighbors, your neighborhood, your town, that you were very dangerous. And a lot of people like this in Poland disappear, end up in jail, falsified charges.
0: Isn't it um Isn't that uh, just part of the the communist manifesto is to and they told us they were going to do it here, just infiltrate the schools, entertainment and the press. And that's just to to the indoctrination process. And that I mean, how how do we how do we have someone like Nikita Khrushchev, the Russian premier, say something like that to us and say we're going to beat you without firing
1: a shot? I mean, how does this work? Is it does the indoctrination starts at an early age? The indoctrination has to start in an early age. And if you see at the beginning I'll tell you how it happened in Poland. So Polish society was always against communists and socialism. They were free people. They love freedom. So what they did when they brought the socialists on Russian bayonets, well, not Russians, I mean, I don't want to beat up on Russians, on the Soviet Union uh, yeah. government bayonets, they started replacing teachers, they started replacing government, especially, especially teachers with uh, younger people indoctrinated even in Soviet Union or former Polish communists. You know, you find town codes everywhere, whatever nation you look at it, Poland has its own share, of pro-communist infiltrators and collaborators. So they were replacing them, but then, so then they were creating people like my father where the people, they were poor, they didn't have a, a good education. So the first education they encountered was the socialism. Say, so, hey, communism, hey, this is great because we're going to take everything from these rich people. We give it to poor. It yeah. sounds really good, but it's extremely dangerous concept that people don't realize.
0: Yeah, it's... it's. um There was something else in there about they get rid of faith, family, and morality. Yes. Uh, and that's... And that's- it's scary when you think about it. Look at all the, I mean, stuff happening today in our country that would have been completely crazy ten years ago. And they're creeping everything as if this is normal. Get rid of the family. You don't need, you know, both. You don't need both parents and all this weird moral stuff. Yeah, uh, that that's part of the plan, isn't it? Uh, uh,
1: yes, and this is all being brought up, at least they, I'm, I, I don't want to talk about the United States here because we are, we are a great country, we are not communists yet. We just don't want to get there. So mm-hmm. we need to protect our country. But I tell you how it happened in uh, in Poland, in other communist countries of uh, socialist states of Eastern Europe. So they bring it slowly and everything, every change that they make, where pe- people are very repulsive to most of the people, they will say this is for all the good. We do it for the good of these people. We need to go and protect these people. And you know, if, if those people are in Poland, they were criminals or were uh, known for some uh, perversion. They were okay because once they were easy to control. They were easy to jail. If you, if you just step out, we just put you in jail for. We just promoted you for. But uh, so they are easy to control. But yes, they always bring up that mantra that this is for the good of society. This is for yeah. the good of everybody here and uh, in Poland. And this is how they march this ideology. And you are right. The first thing that they need to do, and they did it in Poland very well. They try, well, they try to do it, but church prevented it in the in big uh, 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 largely is destroy the family. So family, what's the family? You no, know, you don't need the mother. You don't need the uh, 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 you don't need father. The state will help. You know, if they don't make their uh, obligations to the state, or if they are not teaching you right thing, the government will step in. and will teach them the right way. And there were cases that they were taking kids away from parents because were uh, because of the political uh, activities of parents and uh, very dangerous state. Same thing with patriotism. But uh, you know, people need to remember that things like moral values family values, uh, patriotism uh, 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 to, to, to to socialists are what crosses are to vampires. They really need to destroy, they need to put the, the, the basically turn it, it upside down that people have nothing to look for, they feel lost. And very often they just don't know uh, how to counteract it. And one more thing, the most important thing that I need to say about it is uh, the, the, the fake news media in Poland, being the socialist uh, force multiplier, so there were very few people uh, subscribing in Poland to that uh, uh, to that ideology. Uh, relatively few people, not that few, but there were very small margin of Polish society. But the fake news media made them mainstream. When you listen to news, there was all about it. And then that 99% in polls were communists and socialists. They lost socialism. And when John Paul II came into Poland, like nobody wanted to see him. When you see the chroniques, and you can see on YouTube even now, some of the official government reports or news about John Paul II. Pope visit to Poland, you will see there's maybe a few people just gather it, maybe 20 people there, maybe 100 people. They marginalize it until the socialism fell. Now, when you see the images, there were millions of people. There were whole city blocks taken away because people could not fit into big city square where where, where, uh, where Pope was preaching to Pauls. But this is how pervasive the, the fake news media can be in censorship. Now, when
0: uh, so the the schools are obviously state run, so you're not getting anything there, and you get in trouble for saying stuff at home. Now the Pope comes in, and he's basically preaching anti communism, isn't he?
1: Well, he's preaching the freedom. Uh, He what he was saying that uh, you cannot, you don't need to live on your knees. I mean, you 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 need to stand up and. Don't don't let people throw fear on you. Don't let uh, uh the, the the group of people uh, uh make you fear of the government. You need to you need to step up and start fighting for your rights. And there was 1979, 1980, Solidarity Trade Union was born and basically almost um, uh, uh toppled the not in not the, the communists, but at least they were able to create the first. Independent organization, independent from communist party in entire Warsaw Pact. That was uh, so scary to communists and socialists because they know if it progresses, this is going to be uh, to spread like a wildfire to rest of the East European countries, the socialist states, and it did happen.
0: Yeah, that's uh, well. just the way the way it spreads too. That should that should tell you something. That's, uh, but again, so that you. How You you mentioned that going to church um, was a place of uh, almost refuge where you could— so- I mean, how did how the, the communists not uh, monitor
1: and spy on the churches?
0: Were you guys able to talk every Sunday,
1: or how did that work? Well, they did. Actually, they were sending their agents uh, to the churches. They were listening, too. But, you know, it is more difficult to arrest the priests— They did, they actually, they were murdering priests. If you can look look in the Polish history and you will see so many priests who were openly speaking against communism, they were either executed or they disappeared or put in jail under falsified charges. But what happened is even like when you go to church and you can hear, well, uh, if the president say, we can all be free and we can be free of communism, that would just, uh, most likely he wouldn't last long. But we say, hey, in Poland, we can be free. We can all be free. People were eating it up, you know. He didn't spell the communism, but everybody knew that this is, you know, free from the communism and socialism and being a free human being. So that is how, how they. but no, that, that the communists were sending their uh, secret police, their secret uh, services. Into churches to listen and monitor people, and you know some more outspoken people were, of course, arrested later or persecuted. Yeah, that's uh,
0: um, just on the, the socialist thing and how they spin everything around. We're just saying that they would, for like the there there was never bre- or there wasn't always bread to get at the store first thing in the morning, and they would say it's because of the demand because the the, um, <laughs> yes. the everything is so great here that we can't yes. keep bread
1: on the shelves. Yes, can you believe that? I mean, that was so, and I think this is what really got people over the edge. So we didn't have anything to eat. Like for example, when I was a kid, my mother didn't go, didn't get up at three thirty in the morning to go stay in the line, bread line. The bread line was around the block, so it usually take you a couple hours to make to the bread. My mother didn't make it to the on time to the end of the bread line because sometimes the bread was out. So like rest of the people go home with no food. Uh, and in Poland, we didn't have a fridge. We didn't have a food for like a week or a couple of weeks. Like, you know, in America, we can going to have it. Uh, so then we've, people get accustomed to being poor and hungry. And this is actually socialist, they call it desensitization when they normalize poverty, they normalize the poor economy, that to the point that people just don't notice anything different with the old people who knew are gone, the newer people coming up, take it as a normal, and I think this is normal. But yes, so propaganda was all out. We have the greatest economy in the world, in, in the United States, they hate America. The communists and socialists, they hate America. So they they were like, in the United States, people are sleeping under bridges. They don't even have a tent sometimes. They don't eat. They are so poor and government is still kicking them. And God forbids, the, uh, the, 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 the racism is so prevalent. So this is so, uh, policy didn't believe in that. I, I, it was like, we go to store this empty shelves. You can, go on, you can go on YouTube and actually watch some of those uh, uh, images from communist socialist Poland. So that is like not even, there is nothing. There are empty hooks, and, and empty shelves, and, and nothing there. And this is the, the, and then just in the morning, they throw some bread. So everybody tried to get as much as possible. And then if they don't get the bread, then just go home hungry. But that, that socialism economy, but always was, there was, we are the greatest economy. We are building communist, pol- socialist Poland. There was never communist. There was always, they were building socialism. In Soviet Union, they were building socialism. And thanks God they didn't finish with it. But uh, yeah, it, 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 it is, we're talking about millions of victims, millions around the globe, not only Soviet Union and Eastern mm-hmm. Europe. And even today, even today, they are still finding mass graves of socialist regime in Poland. And at that time, we didn't know anything about it. It was like, you know, it's like disappear, maybe just move. There was no computers. There was no internet at the time. So somebody just moved out. And, and disappear people just thought that and they're just spin,
0: spinning everything in the the state-run medias with what, what's one of those things uh not no uh about the bread um they, what do they say in in uh in capitalism the bread waits for you in communism you wait for the bread <laughs> this episode of the operator podcast is sponsored by blue chew let's talk about sex Guys, shouldn't you always be at your best? This is the year to maximize your performance in the bedroom, so check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. The process is very simple. Sign up again at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Juice tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. Guys, do you remember when you were always ready to go? Don't be the guy who says, I don't need it. You don't know until you try it. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code operator at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code operator, to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. Whether you are in the field on an op, at work, at the gym, one key to success is proper hydration. Have you heard about Hoist? Hoist is a battlefield-proven hydration system that works 110% better than water, and it keeps you hydrated longer than water. Its special formula of electrolytes, carbohydrates, and fluids is absorbed rapidly to keep you powering through the next objective, the next mission, the next rep, the next lap. It is one of three hydration products approved – by the Department of Defense. And Hoist is on 90% of U.S. military installations globally, serving our warfighters in field feeding operations or in training. And uh, you got to check out the packaging in this because it is available to everyone now, not just the military. Packaging great. It's small. It fits in your, uh, in your ruck, your day pack. Go check them out at drinkhoist.com. Use code operator to save 15% at checkout or use their store locator to find out where it's sold. It's drinkhoist.com. Use code operator to save 15%. Drinkhoist.com. Manscaped is here with a deal you can't pass over this Easter season. They've got the tools to give you the beautifully decorated eggs of your dreams. And just because Easter is over doesn't mean it's okay to hide those bad boys behind all that tall grass. So make sure your downstairs lawn is mowed. Get yourself feeling as sweet as candy by going to manscaped.com and getting 20% off plus free shipping with the code THEOPERATOR. So it's time to put all your eggs in the perfect basket with the Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped. Inside the Ball Care Bunny Basket, you'll find a Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker 2.0 ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance boxer briefs and a travel bag that I think looks cool as hell. The packaging is great, holds all your goodies. The Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is an elite electric trimmer. It has a proprietary advanced skin safe technology that's designed to trim hair on loose skin. The Lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof and equipped with an LED light so you can keep eyes on those eggs even in the dark. The Easter Bunny dropped off an extra special gift with performance package by adding the upgraded Weed Whacker 2.0 nose and ear hair trimmer, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose and ear holes. I use this thing almost every day, and it works fantastic. This package also comes with a crop preserver ball deodorant and crop reviver ball toner. Yeah, you heard that right. This is a ball deodorant that can change your life. April is Easter, but it's also Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer men's health, and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35 and giving support for fighter survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. Save 20% off and free shipping with the code THEOPERATOR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code THEOPERATOR at manscaped.com. Hop into the best deal of the year with Manscaped. Use the code the operator at Manscaped.com. But is that is that true that um yes, like every well, like you get one loaf and if anyone takes two there's going to be violence because there's not enough for everybody well, and you you're to, like forcibly well, sharing if you well, get Russia anything
1: happen and quite often happened because you know in Poland at the time the most important person was not the communists in the government. Well, if you had access to, to one of those, it was awesome. But the most important person in Polish society that was the person behind the uh, oh the, yeah so in, in the cashier in the in the in the food store. So there were sometimes that uh, they were uh, kind of like setting aside for their friends extra food, extra uh-huh. bread, maybe extra sausage, and, and 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 it happened under the table. But if people caught them, they were lynching these people. They were. There were fights on the street because the, somebody found or cut the guy with like three, four loaves of bread or, mm-hmm. or, or or extra sausages. So that yeah, that's that happened quite often. Actually, there were people sentenced to death for stealing food in Poland. There was the, the famous affair. One of this, uh, the, the, uh, I don't remember his name. You can you can find out on internet. A uh, guy who was running the the meat the the the, the meat. Uh, 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 part of the uh, polish economy they found him selling to his friends extra for extra money so they they, they hang him really well
0: yeah well so what what um this is a stupid question but what do you do if, if there
1: if there is no bread you just don't eat that day or that week <laughs> he's just well i found a way to do it uh, uh to feed myself but yeah basically you go to school like we did and uh, you you just you're just hungry Unless, and the, the
0: the communist party kids, the children of the communists, they got the That's big sandwiches. That's I read that story today I laughed my ass off. I don't know how I had never heard the story from you before. Can you tell
1: that about the sandwiches? This is what I learned that the violence works, and <laughs> if it didn't work for you, means you didn't apply enough of that of the violence. But what happened is sometimes I was being hungry. My brother, he kind of learned. Uh, uh, how to make the, take potatoes and make kind of French fries mm-hmm. out of it. You know, it was, we, we did whatever we could. But at the school, sometimes when I was hungry, I just, I noticed some of the kids and, you know, in school, in your class, you know, who is like, uh, who is who. So we knew that those are like uh, kids, people like my father, my father already left. So we're on our own. Uh, he was living, he was, he was setting up his new life. So I learned to spot these communist kids, the, the uh, kids of communist uh, uh, party member members, uh, by their sandwiches. You know, like most of us, like me, when I had a sandwich, sometimes I had a. If I was lucky, I had a little bit of butter, mm-hmm. and, and and sprinkle sugar on it, and they put it together. And I loved that. That was awesome. I was just like, I could eat this all day long. Sometimes we didn't have it, so my mom put like a little bit of tea on the on the bread, and then put the sugar on it. Uh, like a like a thick tea put the sugar on it and that was good too but it was not as good as the as, as the, with the butter you know so mm-hmm. i want to eat in front of the old kids because like, they would just point out and yeah this guy's just like he's nothing it's a pride you know it's like you don't want of people that you pour and and so, when I, when I see these kids, I see the nice sandwich, fresh bun with the butter, you know, lettuce, a, a, a sausage slices, or even a ham, good God, and the mayonnaise, all that stuff. You know, so when I was hungry, I didn't have it. The first time when I started, was I had nothing to eat. So I was like, this is so good. And thanks God, you know, I was kind of like, I like to fight, I like to beat, uh, <laughs> yeah. club, beat the kids up at the time. I, tell you, I can come back to it later why how it happened i, I thought it was, it's not because i was just in, I, I think i was a mean kid because i thought that i'm like a hot shit shit hot so, yeah. so because my mother was a teacher so i just woke up to the kid and i say like just grabbed this this bun from him i just he, i made like two three bites said, so I bite my third bite of the <laughs> this is good okay so then <laughs> i split this thing in half today so i just turn it i tear it up in half i give him the one that him and me and him already bitten. I took me a fresh bite and I started eating and I said, this is what's going to happen. Um, tomorrow you tell your parents that you want two sandwiches. So you bring two sandwiches, <laughs> we we'll split them and everything will be okay. And uh, and he just looked at me, he didn't say nothing. So I just grabbed him by the trout a little bit, kind of shook him up and little said, it's going to happen. And... He brought the two sandwiches the next day. He, I actually, he seek me out. He he found me in in the in, I was sitting in the at the desk. I say, hey, uh, I have a sandwich for you. I say, well, thank you. So from then on, you know, like I say every day, I say, but then like well, what I tell. Him, my mom, she's like asking, if I eat that much?" I say, "Yeah." I tell him, like my mom say to me, "You are growing; you need to eat more." So his <laughs> father, he's like this guy. Now he never eat a lot. Now he's eating two sandwiches a day at school, so he's growing. Did he
0: not tell his parents the truth? Because if they're in the communist party, because they crackdown.
1: Yeah, that one didn't, but there was another one with sledge. Because when I find out that I can go, oh yeah, uh, feed myself, yeah. Of the communists of the communists I see other kids like me just trying to hide what they eat or eat somewhere in the corners so I, it's another guy I told you how I find out about how poor he was so I said, hey you know what I, I can hook you up with a sandwich you see this guy up there He's another guy he was he will supply sandwiches for you too like I have that guy supplying for me <laughs> like, look at me so I went to the guy I say you see the sandwich that sandwich came from that guy now you'll be supplying this guy with sandwiches every day. So I had, like I, th- I think, like two two kids hooked up. On the third one, he barked. He just came, came to mom and said, so parents came here. They knew what's going on. So I, in the bathroom, I kind of apply my uh, vile, violence uh, 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 technique. I apply my technique, the Robin Hood technique, to him. And then I persuade <laughs> him that this is not us who is stealing his sandwiches. We just acquire them, but there's some other guy from most likely from the older class can right. do it. After you know, a little bit swollen lip and a little bit uh, turned up clothes, when his parents show up in the class to identify who is stealing his sandwiches. These this kid stand up, said No, mom, I don't see anybody here. That's that's I think there's somebody from other classes. So they went through <laughs> all the classes, they didn't find anybody. They went through all the classes up there, they're like they went on the upstairs too, and like they didn't find anybody. And the guy was bringing there, but the parents say, Well, you they just they just get one sandwich to him. Say, Well, we're not gonna give two sandwiches, we're not gonna give him, we will not be giving him two sandwiches because I think somebody is stealing his sandwiches. Right. Well, the this is what happened, but they did, never knew that he was eating only. He was eating only half of his sandwich; the other half was going to another poor kid. So, mm-hmm. and that isn't when uh, I, I did that because I was working. I was bull in the class. I beat up this, you know. I, 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 sometimes now, when I think about it, I have a lot of remorse. I do have remorse. I, I would like to fix it somehow. I can't most of these some of the life and the more, but I would like to fix this thing and. Uh,
0: yeah, you never struck me as a bully. Seriously. I mean, obviously, you know how to fight. Uh, you, I'm a you never, I, I didn't, I've never—I—I seen you stand up for yourself and for other people, but I, you never struck me as someone that would, you know, you were more someone to go help a new guy with his gear than, is- um, <clears throat> you know. I, I, I have seen you put new guys in in line when they stepped out of line which is always a very entertaining and very fast <laughs> uh, but it, then another thing you put in your book is if uh, if violent doesn't work then you're
1: not using enough and that's just that's awesome i think that's what i learned paul and but you see like what you say here about me in america i changed america changed me america is is what people don't see the very often because it is transparent to people born in America, grew yeah. up grew up in America, is the goodness. It is so natural to be good person. It is so natural to help somebody else that you don't dwell on it. People here like I said like why why would you why, why did you help him like this? You went out of your way. What do you mean? I mean that, that's the right thing to do. Yeah. It is it it is whole society is like this. And so for people here, it is transparent. They don't see it. They think it's just normal, but it is not normal.
0: No, there's it's pretty far the from only, normal. People here, people here know, don't it seem it to is realize only normal,
1: that. Only normal in America. This yeah. is not normal anywhere else. So people say like, that's normal. You know, just like, that's that's how I grew up. That's how I was brought up. I, I will help because I'm not asking for something for help. I am just want to help somebody. That's American society. That's America. And this is something what I want to be. I want to always be like this. And uh, I hope that, that what you just said uh, a few minutes, a couple seconds ago, I think that I'm, the transformation is taking place and I'm getting better. And This is the, this is my pledge uh, to America. I am better American today than I was yesterday. And, and I want to be better American tomorrow than I am today. And this is that means so much to me. Uh, you know, people ask me about the Trident the, Drago. You are Navy Seal. They, they forget that. said uh, Navy Seal is okay. I'm extremely proud of it. Uh, but but this is not what, what, what I am American first. I'm. Uh, this is about America. That's that's who I am right now. And the, and the Navy Seals. I'm Navy Seal because I am American. The uh, the American flag. The American citizen, citizenship encompasses america and navy seals so the navy seals they are part of america so you don't see me usually wearing uh trident and nothing wrong with people wearing trident this little tiny trident that just they earned it but for me i don't want to have a distraction from american flag that i wear american flag covers everything covers the trident and and and, and encompasses the trident that's why that's me
0: (laughs) i feel the exact same way too and again uh, the guys that do great, but uh, I'm American, I'm American first. I'm Amer- I'm a, I was able to become a Navy SEAL because I was born here, and uh, I mean, how how frustrating is it to to see this creeping transition and people, uh, especially um, um, in go- our government, saying they're socialist? That it's got to be extremely frustrating.
1: Uh, it is more scary than uh, frustrating. Uh, uh, remember, I was locked up in prison on not. On, on the charges, the what I did, was, uh, the activities in Poland, almost any activity was politicized and criminalized. So uh, especially something that could challenge socialism. So if you protested, they find some article in in Polish law. Uh, the law was weaponized against opponents of socialism. The the uh, uh, the state entities were weaponized against people opposing socialism. So when I went to prison, I was, what I did, I was just printing newspapers with the facts. And, and there was not even a huge newspaper. There was basically a leaflet. And, and we, that we print out the information, what is happening in the martial law imposed by communists and why it was illegal that, uh, that martial law uh, uh, implementation was illegal. And that was too that was enough to put me in prison and i said well you know this is according to our socialist law uh, this is illegal so and I, I so i was i got 3 years prison sentence but please remember that so in poland nobody sits ever according to socialists, sat, uh in prison for political offense they were all criminals science so like you know i printed newspaper that was against the socialist law so i was a criminal i was not sitting for political activity i was sitting for being a criminal uh, printing newspaper so everything that could oppose or pose the threat to socialism was weaponized uh, 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 and the law again the law the law enforcement agency were weaponized against citizens
0: yeah something that struck me there too was you said uh something about an unregistered typewriter like you have to oh. register
1: your typewriters are you kidding that, me that was more dangerous than the guns you know they, they didn't afraid of the gas they wanted you to use the gas because if you use the gun like you have in prison on, and, and nobody but an eye yeah you had the guns, uh, you you're in prison uh but if you had a typewriter
0: mm, oh, no, that's a weapon
1: we about that you know that's dangerous because now you can type some information maybe 10, 15 uh, 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 pieces of paper and disseminate to your co-workers. Good God, that's dangerous. So, yeah, if, if you didn't register the typewriter at the time, I think they'll, they didn't, I don't know, didn't hear them enforcing this law, but they was criminalized too. So you could go to prison for having an un, unregistered typewriter. That was more than the gun for that's That's
0: got to be tough too because, like, everyone seems like they're against it except the people in power. And That's um, what it is. But you can't do anything. And so simply typing up a newsletter of what's actually because now how did you did you get some information from listening to the radio listening to uh uh yes. ra- radio free europe
1: yes like that? so in poland at the time uh we couldn't get any information because everything we were we were getting was coming from the uh, socialist uh, state state medias of, of course the censorship and the, they put out whatever they wanted to do there was no internet so all we could read is whatever socialists put out socialists and communists put out in Poland or in, in, in any other Warsaw Pact country. Yeah. So what but... we did is listening to Radio Free Europe, Voice of America, BBC, you could go to prison for that. And I remember when I was listening to it and I started listening to it when my uncle, who was beat up and tortured by socialists for not going along with them, uh, uh, he told me how to listen to it. My mother was in panic, especially after the stint with the secret police in my school, when I just ask questions, why do we learn uh, so communists uh, uh, the, the Russian language? And it was very offensive to to communists, and they called police on me. So she was so petrified. She brought like all the pillows we had, every blankets we had, and just say, like, look, you have to put it uh, over your head when you listen to the radio, and then then you can listen. Otherwise. You must not listen to it because they will serve, they they will put me in prison. They will put you in in orphanage, and especially in Poland, you never knew who is a snitch, who is listening to. Oh. So we had the neighbors who could listen, and they happen quite often that the neighbors, for maybe extra uh, love of bread or extra uh, uh, maybe some groceries money. Uh, they would some of these people would sell you out and uh, they would go to police they report that you are listening to forbidden stations just
0: listening it was, to it that's craziness uh,
1: well it, it it was normalized it was normal to me i didn't know any better until i started listening to radio free europe voice of america you know what is funny now the 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 so i, I when i was listening to voice of america right it was one of the radio stations there was like a beacon of freedom to me i was listening to I'm living next to uh, the transmitter uh, uh of Voice of America. I'm, I'm I I actually I toured the radio station where it used to be transmitted that that that, that uh the, the st- uh, next I uh, used to visit the station and I toured the station where which was transmitting uh that uh, uh, uh Information to Poland when I was growing up. That was very. Uh, did you, did you, that was recently you toured it. I uh, no, it was a few years ago. That was a few years ago. It's not far. Away. It, was in my, it was in the neighborhood, so uh, I went up there, and you could actually tour it. They give you, a, you can get a ticket and just go around. They tell you the different stations, different uh, transmitters that they used, and that was very educational, very interesting. So now I know from the other side how it worked here. But in Poland, to listen to it, also please remember. Uh, it was not that easy because the, the communists in all Warsaw Pact, they built those radio station transmitting towers that they, they were drowning. They tried to drown the transmissions coming from the BBS and the Voice of America, uh, Radio Radio Free Europe. And you could hear first like you, yeah. and the tiny voice somewhere there. But then it changes slowly. It's just the radio start tuning into it and you could recognize the voices. Oh, God, I learned, I learned so much about the history of Poland. It was and totally perverted by uh, uh, communists and socialists in Poland. And they, I mean,
0: but, but like you said, it switches every few years because you had the, the Stalinists, the Hitler socialists, the Khrushchev. Oh, yes, yes. My- and always, yeah. Is it always like everyone's just got a better idea of how it's going to work?
1: Yeah, that's, that's basically what it is. But remember, my family survived quite a few of those socialism. She, uh, they survived my grand, grandmother's, uh, my grandparents, my uh, parents, they survived Adolf Hitler socialism, national socialism. They survived Stalin socialism. They survived Leonid Brezhnev socialism, Khrushchev socialism. Everyone was coming in. And you can see, uh, if you look into the history, every time they knew, New, new crew, uh, new uh, new team comes in. Of new team of communists comes in. They just get rid of the first one. They blame for everything that is bad the first one, and they say now we're gonna fix it for you.
0: <laughs> it's like getting a new officer in a platoon. <laughs> <I don't
1: know. laughs> but um, so now was that was you? How old were you when your parents split up? I was uh, seven years old. So there, I was living normal life until I was seven years old. We had a pretty much good things going on. My my father had access to all these goodies as a communist. So when, when he left, we were like, whoa, we have nothing to eat. We don't have a clothes to wear in cold winter. So yeah, that was kind of hard for my mom. She was a teacher. And again, in Poland, in socialist state, the government tells you how much money you can make uh, and how much money the company can pay to, to employees. And and then uh, so you know the teachers didn't make a lot of money and so we sometimes it was so normal in neighborhoods like I, we we're living in the big apartments like a project the neighbors were knocking on the door saying can you can you can you help us we need to buy some bread but just at the end of the month i ran out of money so my mom sometimes when she had money she did help but more often she didn't so sometimes she was going to the ne- around the neighbors say can, can, can you borrow me like maybe ten 15 Polish zloty, so I can buy some bread. Sometimes she was able to obtain extra money. Sometimes she didn't. Then we had to wait till the end of the month for the next communist paycheck. And
0: the living conditions, isn't it, isn't it like all government sanctioned, like you will live here and you need
1: approval and like written to, uh, to move? That's how it was. Uh, that's how I remember it. Uh, so we were once father uh, left us. We had to move out of this little place, little tiny uh, house, with we're living with other people too, that government uh, uh, co- uh, gave it to us to, to live with. So, there was one the tiny house, three rooms, one room was living somebody else, me, we, because we had uh, three kids, uh, my, because my parents had three kids, they had uh, two rooms. So, there was not like a bedroom in uh, two bedrooms. There was like one room, bigger room, and one smaller room. So, there were two rooms. So, here would say one bedroom. Um, uh, And yes, we had to move out of it. And then... Uh, we were, we were living on the outskirts of city where the government allow us to move. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the government will tell you if you can move, you cannot, there are certain rules and regulations that it's not like, well, we are the government, so we don't want you to move. They create the rules and regulations that basically you can't move unless you get approval here, approval there. And, uh, that was a big nightmare when we had to move to, from the town that I grew up, beautiful town, uh, to, to to one of the bigger cities where my grandparents lived at the time. Uh, wh- wh- I mean, my my grandparents live the in the village, but my grandmother used to live in lots, city lots. So my mother, to move to city lots, she had to jump through the hoops and she couldn't just move in. So basically the rule was, well, if you have a job in that city, you can move to that city. But now to get a job in that city, you have to live in that city. So there's like, how do you do about it? So they have to just trade, trade the uh, trade the places. The only way to do it, and this is how it happened with, with us. We had the two rooms, so it was one bedroom and one bigger room, and the kitchen, bathroom. So my mom was so desperate to get closer to her family, to get away from this uh, from the town, that she traded it with uh, another new newly newlywed couple who had the just a uh, studio. Basically, it was one room. Uh, the, the kitchen was in that room, and it was just the bathroom, just one room. So all four of us moved into that thing, and, and uh, from jolonagura and we gave up this bigger uh, place to uh, to the to somebody else from from Lots from that city who just traded traded spaces, and that was that allowed us to move to that to. It allowed my mother to move closer to her family. Would it be possible if she didn't change this? uh trade with the, the apartments with other people
0: so it's, so, it's very, com- so it's common
1: to live with strangers then oh it, is, it was common at that time um i was my mother was not used to she used to grow up in pre-war i grew up she was born in pre-war Poland, and these things didn't happen like this but when i was born for me this another dude having that living in the next next door in the next room was okay drinking bringing friends drinking girlfriend sometimes making noise and and having sex that's like right. yes my my mother was uh petrified she did not want any of it and uh, she couldn't shield us from it so you know we've seen the rooms working in and out and the naked chicks running around the house sometimes and because this guy was bringing up and so it wasn't the first floor the second floor the situation was very dis- very same there was a two-story building and there was living like a four families in in, in this little tiny place but there was no nothing- families for families. Well, families are single guys. Like, we had a single guy downstairs. So, so it was worse With a, if you had a family at least. Maybe there wouldn't be so much ruckus going around. But I remember saying, <laughs> all kinds of shit going on at that. Uh, you,
0: you mentioned that um, you had a move-in with, after your parents split up, you had a move-in with your dad for financial reasons. But uh, he had a new wife and son. And
1: you, uh, you said it yeah. was basically hell. Yeah, that was that was disaster. Um, we didn't have much to eat. We had this one place uh, where it was very, very tiny. So to so I kind of volunteered. I said, "Mom, you know I, I will go and live with father because it's uh, I I know how hard you have how hard it is." Oh, well, she cried. She was like, "Absolutely not!" You know, for her it was like the biggest tragedy that she she had to go one of her kids to go somewhere else, especially yeah. so young. But uh well, eventually we, we end up the, that I will go. So father came in, picked me up. That bastard didn't even tell his wife that I'm coming to live with them. <laughs> his, so, his new wife has no idea. He no, no on. Oh no idea. Yeah. So we show up on the doorstep, ding dong, she shows up and says, like, who's that? I say, Well, that's my son Thomas. Okay, well, what's what's up? What well, he be living with us. What? Oh. No. <laughs> but right. now, what was her deal? The hell she just broke loose. loose. So just she, didn't,
0: she didn't like you off the bat.
1: Oh no, hell no. I mean <laughs> <laughs> I mean that is quite oh, a surprise though. Me, her son didn't like. he was, uh,
0: Yeah. Was that was he uh now he was still in the communist party your dad, right?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was forever communist. He died in twenty twenty-one. When he passed away, he was unrepented communist. He uh he didn't change his views, even cases like historically known the the, uh, the the murder of polish intelligentsia polish intellectuals in katyn forest by russians by soviet union not the russian soviet union and yep. uh, uh, nkvd uh, he still did not believe it. Even after the Soviet, the Russians released the documents. So yes, we did it. We saw it. You know, it happened. There was the communist state, and this is how they deal with with it. He never bought into. He never understood it. He just said, No, no, no. They were Germans. They were Germans who killed these twenty thousand Poles in the Katyn forest. Well, they were not. They were not Germans. They were uh, uh, just uh, and
0: still just refused to believe it. Just uh, that indoctrinated up to, up until twenty twenty one.
1: believe, yeah, yeah. But well, I mean, was, what did you talk to him after the after the fall of communism in the nineties? Yeah, I talked to him. That actually, me and my uh, wife uh, Rachel, we visited him in, before he died. He uh, he still argued the points. He still. He still believed that if we maybe kill more of these uh, uh, anti-communists instead of putting him in jail, uh, the, the Poland could be flourishing communist. I mean, fl- flourishing socialist state. So it, it was still coming out of his mouth that, mouth that if uh, maybe if we just get rid of if more, if we of just
0: it, did it right, <laughs>
1: yeah, did it right. So I think that's what they mean doing right. They just new new crew, new team of communists. Rolls that's, in and they kill everybody they can, I guess, and say, "Okay, now we do it right."
0: <laughs> well, I think that people people failed to realize that Stalin killed more people than Hitler.
1: Oh yeah, and it's, absolutely, the and that's just because guys, they were but... so
0: good at uh keeping it quiet and keeping all the propaganda going. And like when, when people see someone really bad, they're like, "Well, he's the next Hitler." It's like, well, at least he's not the next Stalin. <laughs> not that okay, I mean.
1: The Hitler was horrible too, that was, the, concentra- uh, the German concentration camps, they were m- modeled on, on the Soviet Union concentration yeah.
0: camps. So, um, so now, so you lived with your, your dad, and then you moved back, and then what, did, what was this discussion with your brother? He, he had to
1: move in with your dad, and he was like, yeah, it's my turn or something well, like that? Well, I got kicked out, so... But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 I just couldn't get along, especially with her and her her son. His, uh, her son was, I think year or two years younger so you know paying me uh, i i gave him some drago (laughs) well so (laughs) i know exactly what that means
0: where did you uh all right where did you learn how to fight now you just it's you mentioned in the book you kind of learned in the streets but then you started taking some yeah so
1: it started because you know like first i was I i thought i'm like a shit hard because my mother was in school so nobody can do anything to me so being kid, I was just beating people left and right. And sometimes I get beat up. So then, uh, and then people start picking on me. When I was going from school, they're just like, oh, let's go and uh, kick his ass. And like on the it, walk home? It, it, on the way home from school, because we had to walk everywhere. We don't, there was no buses. There was nothing. The rich communist kids, sometimes parents came in the car if they had a car. I didn't even know anybody who owned the car at the time. So they, I was working to school. So these older kids usually come up and gang up on me and beat me up a couple times. So I found a steel pipe and I start carrying like steel pipe, maybe like a foot, foot and a half, in my uh, in my bookcase. So if I see they following me again, I just step into the the hallway of the building. As they follow me, usually they didn't show up back after a long time ago, <laughs> did and beat up on the, with that the pipe. So pretty soon it spread out that yeah don't leave this this kid alone because you follow him in in the into that hallway you might not come back for a long time and 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 that works. so so I already had some of that that stuff and uh, I think I legitimized in the boxing club when I got older uh, so yeah, by this time I didn't have a father so the guy it was a police uh, stayed uh, stayed around. Uh, police club, sports club, run by, by police. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know even uh, the one from another. So I went up there and started boxing. Apparently I had a talent because this guy, that, that, that Mr. his name was Mr. Duda in the Gura. Uh, He really started liking me, still started teaching me. And he, according to him, I was very natural. I was very, very good distance. I was very quick, very dynamic. And I, was, I had a very quick reaction time. So yeah, I was start beating up these people, and the, I, I was uh, <laughs> training with, and he really liked it. So this is the this is my start just regular boxing, and I really loved it. And I think the the uh, so this was before I went to Warsaw. So when I came to Warsaw uh, to live with my father, because he was living in Warsaw at the time with his wife and her uh, younger son. Um, yeah, I already had uh, I, I I could shake people up.
0: <laughs> so the, so uh, her son took a little bit of Drago, That's that's funny the way you put that. And then what was like the final straw? Why they why did she have you kicked out or did your dad
1: just have enough of you or what? No, they just like the the I start fighting with my father too, and we start fighting because. He really tried to push the socialism on me. He tried to like explain to me how great it is and how bad those people are who are resisting socialism. How I do not understand them that the religion is just a, is is a superstition that I should completely forget about it. This is for like old people to, who believe in the fairy tales. And uh, so I just stay with my mom and my grandmothers Told me I say absolutely not. So we were fighting about it all the time. We couldn't get along and uh on the top one with her she was uh she was mean to me so i just like couldn't fight her so i was fighting her son to the point that he was just every time i show up in the house from school he just locked himself in his uh, uh room up there when he was he had a separate room of course father was communist so he had a good nice bigger apartment and uh and he was sitting there so every time he showed up he like if they <laughs> Good kick or good punch and then you can see that <laughs> no that's that's <laughs> not, i'm not that person today but i know i know it's just, the... it's,
0: that's funny that he'd he lock himself away from you because he can't he yeah. can't take it i mean uh, that's that's good so what's what's like a normal like um before prison like a normal day of school
1: well like a normal it, day of school usually uh for me let's say in elementary school i was going to school I collect my sandwich from my uh, suppliers. <laughs> <laughs> and my, uh, then I, I, I saw to uh, make sure that uh, the that the other suppliers gave uh, the food to the other kids I was with friends. And uh, then it was class. What are they teaching in class? So we had a, a Polish language, uh, history, biology, just regular, just like it is here. It was 45 minutes long was 10 minutes break between classes and if it was a like longer break it was 30 minutes break in the for the lunch this is when the rich kids used, used to mm-hmm. used to show show off with their sandwiches well, until they ran into me, that that kind of like. <laughs> Anybody else? I didn't stock for sandwiches, kind of was hiding. So the poor kids didn't hide more <laughs> than the rich kids were hiding their sandwiches. They were eating somewhere on the side. Now, but
0: before you started your sandwich tax, did uh, did, were they like gloating about their sandwiches make, and yeah. making fun of people? Were they really? Yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they, they did. fucking they deserved did. it
1: then. Yeah, actually, they were calling uh, those people like like us all kinds of derogatory names, uh, because they, the other kids were poor. And I tell you, this is how i was bullied at the time too so i'm I calling these poor kids names too i call everybody i call the rich kids names and beat them up sometimes but <laughs> on the way home and I, uh, home and for me to go home at the time after my father left we were like maybe six miles away from school i had to walk maybe a mile and a half to the bus stop take one bus then change the buses change, go another bus and walk another mile or two from the bus station Home. So on the walk like this, one of these kids, I used to call all kinds of names, uh, rough him up sometimes. So just I had nothing to do. I started talking to him and I said, well, so where do you live? I said, oh, I'm just going to turn off here. I'm living in this building right there. I said, well, okay. Can I see? I was just curious how other kids are living. So yeah. I have tears in my eyes when I talk about it. I I, I walked in to this It looked like the how do you say it? Not like a tunnel, but it looked that was so if you see something like this, you would think this just a uh uh material magazine, some like something where you store things, but it was like empty room, one bed, mm-hmm. one bed the springs, just the springs. There was a little, wait, no, there was a thicker blanket laying on there, but you can feel the springs through the blanket. Just one bed, one uh, table, maybe like square like this, one chair, and sink. And sink was like, you have in a janitor closet now, like very deep, and, and, and falling off, and the water is constantly dripping for it. And the tail was full of cigarette butts. Uh, every, they were everywhere. So I see, so... Where do you sleep? I say, I sleep with my mom in the bed. Where is your mom? She's at work. And where do you eat? Well, I eat at the table because my mom sits on the bed, so I can eat at the table. And uh, this is what I say you now. I, I hook you up with sandwiches, brother. <laughs> from then on, we kind of became friends. Uh, I, I, I still have tears in my eyes when I think about it. It was nothing unusual. It was the guy I just uh, happened that i walk into his place and, and i and i've seen it so then when later in my life when i started learning about socialism and communist and socialist oppression i put the two and two together and that's kind of down on me. he was not the only one there was many more i thought i was poor but i, I was not really that poor compared to some other kids wow because yeah. i mean
0: it's you're you're happy to get butter on a sandwich. That sounds pretty poor, and I I think that's an important message that uh, you know uh, again about the United States. Like, if you have an iPhone and a and a vehicle, you're not poor, and that's like poverty. That's poverty that you're explaining right there. And and what's sad, I think, is that it's it's poverty, but it's normal almost just because of the, the way the state not, runs so- it
1: which is the the first thing the socialists will do. I was thinking about this, is that process of desensitizing is what it is, is normalizing the poverty that you think it is normal, being poor. But you know what? We are not, there yet. I just need to stress out, we are not there yet. We are uh we are a rich country. We these people, even if they have a cell phone, yeah, and they still have food they can buy. And and, and if they cannot buy food, the government steps in and helps them buy the food. Yeah. And it is important. This is America. America is great. You know, it's like when I was coming to America, everybody was telling me, when you come to America. Everything, you can actually live for free. The government will pay you for food. They call it food stamps. You're going to get this, this, and that. I was like, what about me? I I would like to make my own money. I want to be rich one there day. There you go. I yeah. would like, you know, and I had a dream. That's like Rachel, my wife, She is laughing all the time I talk about it. So my dream was come to America, save the money, get go to work, save the money, and buy like an old U-Haul truck. So I would cut the windows out. I would build the bed. I would build the shelves in it, and I would be so rich, independent. I would have my own place to stay, and I was like, that was my dream coming to America. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm living in the, you know like beautiful house. When I came to America, I never even stopped living in the UH. I was living. I was. I was. <laughs> I was helped to find apartment. That was project at the time, but there, that was my own. I earn the money. I pay for my apartment. I pay for my food myself. And I even had the phone and fridge. So when I call my mom, I say, mom, I have a fridge. I have even phone. I'm calling you from my phone. And I have, I have climatization. Poland, they call it climatization. I have a climatization. They're talking about AC. She was like, oh, you get yourself so well. Can you afford all of this? It has to, it costs arms and legs. It has to be too expensive. I say, no, mom, no. Actually, I'm just starting my job and I can afford it. It was, it was not, not much. You know, the building now, I went a couple of years ago to show my wife where I start my life in America. The building is condemned. Nobody lives there. There was like the red district of uh, Memphis. Uh, there was in Memphis. And I didn't know anything. There were a bunch of prostitutes working on the street back and forth and a bunch of pimps running around. At the time, but so uh but i didn't think much of it i thought it just like people on the streets like in poland
0: <laughs> you doing? uh you said memphis yeah memphis tennessee yeah yeah the, i think the the pimps hang out at a place called freddy's right off beale street <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying you know we i've been there <laughs> but yeah so so when i showed i wanted to show my wife uh she cried because the the building was condemned there was like all the trees uh, bushes growing up around and nobody there but I was so proud of it. Yeah. You know, this when I started my, my life in America, that's where I start building. And they were slowly start becoming American, American like you, like other people with the same values. Well, I mean,
0: this is just absolutely incredible. Um, what a journey so far. And we're gonna go over some some other stuff too that went on. Uh, when I said before that like being a Navy SEAL, It's probably the least interesting thing you've ever done. It's incredible. Um, We're going to pause there right now, absorb the realities of socialism in different countries and how it affects Drago, uh, how it could affect us, hopefully not, but we need to learn from our past. And if anyone knows the history of socialism and living it, uh, it's Drago. So uh, please join us when we have part two coming up very soon. Remember, you're never out of the fight.